1: Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 277 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Batano.ca. Uh, hopefully, a few of your prop bets hit. Did you have a non quarterback throwing a touchdown pass? You did. Ka-ching. So did you? I did. Our, uh, our fantasy league did. Yeah. It was a what a humble 20, brag. 28 bucks, man. You know what 28 bucks turned into on that? 1,044. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, like, obviously, we had a lot of other ones that didn't win, but that one uh, made up for everything. So it's all I was good. touching yeah. a couple
2: squares on our block pool. We have like a massive block pool. Yeah. And I never uh, win those. Well, one square paid 11,200. What? Yeah. To win, if, if you landed, if you're each quarter, each square paid 11200 It was a season-long pool. And if you're just touching a pool, uh, touching the square that won the quarter, you got 400 bucks. Well, since there was the same score two quarters in a row, I was neighboring the winning square for two quarters. So I got $800. Mm, well, there you go. Which nice. covered the covered the season entry fee. Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like it. So
1: I don't think you can play squares at Botano.ca, but you can play uh, NHL games. You should. In- Yeah, you should. The Pitano, maybe we'll have to talk to him next year. We'll have a a daily face-off square pool game. I think people will be all over it. So uh, NHL, of course, uh, heats up Tuesday, Thursdays this week. Uh, If you're looking for some uh, action. And, hey, can the Calgary Flames sweep their road trip tonight in New York? Check it out at Pitano.ca. I'm Jason Greger. He is Frank Saravalli. Another uh, busy weekend in the National Hockey League. Of course, you had the uh, Super Bowl, the uh, Chiefs. Winning, they have now won three of the last five. They've been in four of the last five. I think it's safe. No NFL team has ever won three in a row, so it's safe to say you'd call them a dynasty by uh, the NFL standards, which, uh, which makes sense, and we'll see what happens there. Frank. Right, I, don't, I don't
2: care about the game. Tell me, what, yeah. what was the spread like in the Gregor household last night?
1: Uh, you know what? We, uh, we have the uh, annual uh, nachos with uh, lots of cheese or like fresh uh, chicken on half. And then uh, my son's a big uh, beef guy. So he has uh, fresh beef on the other half. Um, lots so of like wok.
2: steak or ground beef. Uh, no, actually it's ground bison. Ground bison. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's yeah, nice. That's a healthy a little, selection. Uh, so yeah. how, how like, here's the key for me with nachos. And this is coming from someone who, if I get the microphone close enough, you can hear my arteries clogging. But if, <laughs> At any point as you're in your nacho pile, can you pick out a clean chip? No, no, dude. I am
1: a very. That's the rule. Yeah, I'm kind of anal when it comes to spreading out the cheese because there's nothing worse than you get a chip. I'm like, well, I don't want just a chip. I want cheese on my chip. So, yeah, He's no. anal about spreading cheese, everyone. Yeah, that's right. My wife always jokes about it because she'll live doing it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to do a little bit of layer, then you put some cheese, then you put a few more chips on, then you put more cheese. So.
2: What I, other uh, toppings I'm, do you have? Because this is another true determinant.
1: Well, no tomatoes. I uh, can't eat tomatoes anymore. So, um, uh, well, the the beef half does. I'm just, I guess the, the chicken doesn't. But the, uh, the beef, the uh, bison has some uh, tomatoes. And then we have um, guacamole. My wife makes this homemade, like, uh, tomato dip sauce that uh, her and my son like. And then, uh, um, actually, I don't use sour cream. I just use Greek yogurt because it's basically the same and better okay. for you. So.
2: And what else? Do you use like peppers, black
1: olives, nothing? Uh, no, we have a bunch of fresh veggies on the side, but oh. my son doesn't, he's not old enough yet to appreciate them on the taco. So it's just less of a battle. Don't, so. yeah, don't worry. He never will be, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's about it. And then uh, a few drinks and rock and roll. It's, uh, that's it? Pretty- you just had nachos? Uh, we have a Well, we have two plates of nachos. So you don't really eat, like, honestly, by the time I'm done, I'm like, Phew, I've overeaten again, but yeah, nachos and veggies. That's pretty much all
2: we do. All right. So last night we had a tray of 75 wings. Oh. Then, but so that, those were mild. We also had a, a small order of honey barbecue, which is always a nice hit. Uh, we had an order of pub tenders, which are just like boneless wings, but the sauce is half buffalo, half ranch. So it's All like right. a buff of ranch situation, which is. Wow chef's kiss oh, and fine. then uh we had some cheesesteaks right. and some some chips and dip and well you obviously was, had more than just the Saravali family over. yeah we had we okay. had my in-laws over oh, okay yeah, yeah. yeah all right so
1: yeah be, there'll be a lot of food for four people so
2: no we had i think we had nine oh, okay well there you go that makes sense 10 so it, ten. it was uh but still there wasn't many wings left over on that 75 tray I'll tell you that much who were you guys rooting for it? uh this was a hard super bowl for me to watch cuz i don't really like either team the chiefs what they did last night is basically what they did to the eagles one year ago down 10 at halftime and come back and the only difference is mahomes wasn't limping off the field this time at halftime that's true and The Niners, like, the way they cried last year after losing to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy hurts his elbow, and everyone's like, oh, man, but if everyone was healthy, we would have crushed you. They talked a lot of smack, and then the problem is they came into Philly this year and absolutely walloped the Eagles. And so I I don't really (laughs) like either team, to be honest. So it was a bit of a tough watch. Oh, that's fair. I was rooting for my square. That's what I was rooting for, 11,200. What did and I had well, good numbers too. I had three and one, which are definitely not bad numbers to have. Yeah, no, that's not bad. I've never wanted square. I
1: always get the crap numbers. I had like nine, and I think I had four, no six or something. And six, I know, it ended up for a while there. It looked like you had a chance. Nothing's but, worse yeah. than five. No. Oh.
2: Well, five one though.
1: Yeah, yeah, see, but
2: like that. That's only because in if it was in regulation time, they would have yes, kicked the extra okay. point. It's okay, exactly. five is typically a very shitty number to have.
1: Yeah, well, normally so is six, but hey, they won it last night, so good for them. What did you think of uh, the halftime show?
2: I thought Usher was good. I love the way that they brought in other acts, yes. Ludacris, and whoever else. I thought the... Uh, Alicia Keys. Yeah, I thought the roller... the roller the, buddy, the, the Roller blades, yeah, where'd that come from? That was sick. Buddy, like those... The guys, I was, buddy, I was the, trying to think, how long do you think he was practicing for that? Yeah, I don't know. And but how many hockey people around the world were like, oh my God, this guy's gonna eat it at some point? <laughs> like, what
1: what about the one guy? Like to me, I'm always amazed by the backup singers and dancers. Like the one guy comes on stage, and first thing he's doing is a 360 fun flip on the on those rollerblades, and like, all right, now this guy, that's a guy who at parties is gonna be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I thought Ushers, you you forget how good of a dancer that guy is. He has got some smooth you forgot? moves. Yeah,
2: like whew. So I liked the show. I thought it was entertaining. I mean, I don't know, Botano or whoever, someone should have been taking odds on whether Usher took his shirt off or not because that was a damn near lock that that was going to yeah. happen. Yeah, I know. He takes his shirt off. He's got like the
1: biggest... I'm always, you know, I respect the guys who do it, but I'm always like, it's like the biggest chain ever. How do you really wear that thing
2: around all the time? I'm <laughs> always like, I don't know. It's kind of odd. Oh my God, that's so funny that you just said that. And yeah. by the way, I kind of felt bad for him as one heavy sweating man to another. I was like, oh, poor guy. He's just dying. Oh. It's like, that's that's what I look like getting out of bed in the morning.
1: Well, they, they had the ode to um um uh, Ben Stiller in freaking rollerball when they came out in the purple unis. I was pretty oh, sweet. Yeah. I can't remember the team name of them, but I'm not that big of a fan. But I always thought it was hilarious. And dodgeball is classic. So overall, I thought it was good. Obviously, it was a great finish. You know, if you're a 49er fan, you won't like it. But uh, overall, was uh was pretty good championship game, I would think, for the uh, for the NFL. And now, um, you know what? The, how about the fact, Frank, uh, as you're watching, you're probably like, oh, my God, the Chiefs basically won the game on the exact same play they beat the Eagles on last year, where they call it Corn Dog. Mm-hmm. So, uh, shout out to uh, Corn Dog. That's the play for the uh, Chiefs two years in a row in the championship game.
2: Crazy. Um, what a game. Yeah. And it wasn't that great until the end. No, honest. it's true.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, the first half was far from stellar. Now uh, on the weekend, Frank, the big story in the uh, NHL, and we're going to get into it. Uh, and I guess first of all, uh, Ottawa-Toronto. Of course, it ends with the uh, you know the empty netter. Uh, Ridley Greg comes in. Hey, you know what? I have no issue with what he did. I also understand why Morgan Riley reacted. Uh, Morgan Riley, like you don't cross check a guy in the head. That to me, if Morgan Riley just came in there, dropped his gloves, or whatever, dropped the stick. He wouldn't be suspended, but it wasn't smart how he went after him. But the minute you take that slap shot, Ridley knows what's coming. All these people in Ottawa claiming he did nothing wrong, you're clueless. Like, give me a break. Take your your Ottawa Senator Kool-Aid colored glasses off and realize that that is a complete agitating move. I don't mind that he did it, but pretending that, well, nothing should happen is delusional.
2: Agree, and I would say I loved every part of the sequence. And I, yeah. would, I would say, in fact, the league needs more of it. And so yes. people are like, oh, what? This guy is an absolute Neanderthal. He wants people to get cross-checked in the face. No, that's not what I'm saying. My point is I love the emotion from Ridley Gregg. I love the slap shot. I love the theater, the entertainment of it. This, do you guys watch WWE? Like yeah. this, this is how it works. You take a slap shot into an empty net. But to your point, he knew what he was doing, and he... Had to be ready for it because it was coming, and and I think if if they could change it, just I mean it's gonna again sound like a Neanderthal, but just punch him in the head. You don't need to cross check him in the face with your stick. You don't need to use your stick.
1: Just just grab him. And he didn't even hit him that hard. Let's be honest here. Like he went down like a sack of hammers. Like that's trust me. Like everybody can go watch. That that was the disappointing part.
2: Was the turtle at the end?
1: Yeah, like. Um, to me, it's, it's the biggest unfortunate part is they don't play again this year Yeah, because that would be awesome theater ever. Trust me, everybody around. And that's what the NHL needs more of. Like you look at the NBA, you know, people like, oh, like I saw someone try to compare. Well, the NBA has windmill dunks. I'm like, yeah, at the end of a game, if you're up and someone comes in and windmill dunks, trust me. You're getting chirped at the NBA is the ultimate trash talking sport. They're in guys face every time. And someone's trying to compare it different. They'll try to fight. They're not great at it, but there's all sorts of drama all the time. The NHL will go months with really no drama and you need a little drama every now and then. No one got hurt though. It was, it looked bad. So yeah, he's going to get suspended. I I think it's going to be ridiculous if he ends up getting more games than Brandon Gallagher, who chicken win a guy way more dangerous. Guys being out with a damn suspension. Really? Greg isn't going to miss a shift for goodness sakes. And we're, and people are saying this is worse. Like what the hell is going on?
2: I'm with you. Um, is it okay to like both things? Like, is it okay to like that Greg took the slap shot and that that Morgan Riley responded?
1: Yeah. I think the shot's great. I love a little agitating move. I don't mind that Greg did it.
2: Um, but when he does, I grew up in the era of Matthew Barnaby. Like that, that was, it was, it was, it was can't miss television. Like the last time I
1: remember that was when, uh, it was when Ryan Kessler did it against the Calgary Flames. And what happened there? The Calgary Flames, if there ended up actually being a, a few scraps right afterwards. Yeah, but, but of the difference is he out. didn't cross check him in the face. No, no, you're right. But the other difference is, Frank, when they hit um, uh, Kessler, Kessler turned around and went right back at him. Like, well, that's, that's where, to yeah. me, Greg, the only. He should have just been ready. When... He should have just yes. turned around
2: and been ready for a scrum. That's yeah, really you turn kidding.
1: around and you have. Yeah, you want. You're ready? Here we go. I would have loved. If you are going gotta to do be, that, you got yeah, you got to be the ready. The crowd there. would have loved it. Everybody likes it. I just all of these. Oh my goodness, people trying to pretend that Greg did nothing wrong. Give me a break. Well,
2: um, and then there is like, the other people that are like, oh, Morgan Riley needs ten games. Yeah, like, what? Please. Like, how's that yeah. possible? No, it is like,
1: and and the fact that now they have they. In, I I've seen varying reports, Frank, but. Like I, the fact that he's going to get the same, if not more than Brandon Gallagher to me is it's the
2: biggest disgrace. If that's actually what happens, that's not necessarily going to be the case. We don't know the hearing is Tuesday afternoon in New York. We don't know what kind of case Morgan Riley is going to present. And we also don't know what the leanings are of the department of player safety for what many would view as an agitating play. Now. Uh, people in, in in Ottawa, we've seen say, well, but you can score into the net any way you want. Doesn't mean you should get retribution for it. I, you know, on paper, yes, but in practicality, no. And I I think he's, this is just my personal guess. I think he's going to end up at five. Yeah. So that's the same and I as think, Gallagher. No, I, but I think the comparison is David Perron from a few weeks back where but Perron cross-checked a guy who didn't do anything well that that's well that's what i But that's going to be the direct comp is another cross-check to the head yeah Yeah. and when you do that you have to stack it up with recent precedent right and perron did it to a guy that was the wrong guy and in response to a hit in which he thought that his teammate was hurt so that's sort of to me the bar and I know you want to link the Brendan Gallagher hit to this, but it's, it's not applicable in any way. And that's not how they would look at it. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying the plays themselves are the same. I'm just saying, but you you can't compare the the suspensions. Then is my point. They're not, they're not the same thing, but I I agree with you. Like the chicken wing, there's no room for that type of hit in today's game anymore. That should have been a way lengthier suspension, but because it was five, they didn't, what it saved them from was the process of appeal yeah, I guess. but the whole, but even, the whole system's even, broken. We've said this before. Yeah, like they didn't
1: even make it though, that it was uh, um, in person, right? So that's I don't know I just I look at the play when I look at which one is a more dangerous play standalone, I think we'd all agree that Gallagher plays way more dangerous.
2: Yes, yeah, so.
1: But uh, the Leafs, hey, if if they if they oh like Riley's gone five games, gone six. All of a sudden, the Leafs they are far from being in a super comfortable position. They're not an awful position, but you know they're the first wild card team. They're only one point back of Tampa. But really, Frank, it's there. There's going to be four playoff spots up for grabs in the East here. The playoff race, which is good. The final thirty-two plus games here are thirty-two or less for depending on the team. You got Toronto, Tampa, Detroit are all
2: battling for third place in the Atlantic. Maybe this is just what they need. Yeah, maybe like think back to last year. Big, big Walt Kachuk kind of rips them on radio, the Panthers, and then they go on a run. Sometimes it takes a little bit of negative negativity to, to spice it up a little bit of uh, angst, a little, a little uh, defensive posture. You're, you know, you have your teammates sticking up for you. Now you got to go bail them out.
1: Well, yeah, it's their best defenseman too. So that's, uh, it's going to be a tough one for the Leafs, no question. But you're right. Maybe this is something that kind of uh, uh, a galvanizing inject-
2: yeah. measure. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it because you know, they're going to have to tighten things up with him out of the lineup. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So they need, you they, know what they, they need some help from their goaltending again. Like we're back into that same kind of conversation where uh, this hasn't been great.
1: No, I'm, uh, like Martin Jones, when I, you watch that game against Ottawa two of the goals, you're kind of like, well, that's the Martin Jones from the last few years, right? Like Martin Jones was on a heater early on and that was great. But ultimately I think Samson off. And then if wall comes back, those are the two guys. And that's what the two guys are going to need. Right. Um,
2: yeah, and but like so, Martin Jones now, this is the last month. Yeah. One, four, and one, 860 save percentage. Yeah. So we, you know, everyone kind of thought Samsonov came back. Okay. He found his game a little bit and he's kind of struggling again. I mean, sample size is a little bit limited, but the last two games, not great. One and one with an 883. That suddenly those questions are back. I mean, they need a they need a Joe Wall return from injury.
1: Oh, yeah. And well, they're just gonna need to play better because if you look at three of their next four games, they got St. Louis, who's playing very well. They got the Philadelphia Flyers, who John Tortorella almost basically scripted this. He said, Hey, we didn't have a lot of practice time. We're pretty tired before the break. They lost five in a row. Will be better. They come out. They've won three in a row now, and uh, you know they kind of look like the team prior to that five-game losing streak. Uh, the Ducks are right now kind of the free space in the bingo card, and then they got the Blues again. So um, you know, four, three of those four without Ryland. If he gets to five, it's Arizona. If he gets to six, it's Vegas. So you know what? The, they're gonna. It's it's a tough skid here against some teams, specifically the Blues and the Flyers who are playing well. Hmm. Don't count out my <laughs> Blues, Frankie. A few weeks ago, look at St. Louis; they're rolling, and so are the Red Wings. Hey, let's talk about the Red Wings. They, the Red Wings, went on a skid, and now they're ten 10 and two in their last uh, fourteen games, and have really, you know, kind of saved their season, I would say, and kept it close. What, what do you think Steve Eiserman's thinking in Detroit? Uh, just a little tweak. There's probably going to
2: add something to the deadline for his team, is he not? I, I mean, I think they're knocking right on the door of that, right? Patrick Kane, he comes back. That's kind of a almost like a trade deadline edition in and of itself. But they've had maybe one of the most inconsistent seasons that I can remember. Like they started off really well and their run through, you know, December was so bad. Yeah. And now they've, they've kind of righted the ship again. I mean, how often do you see teams go on wild swings like that?
1: Well and, and the funny thing and, and some and it's reflective, it's funny, now they're winning, Frank, but the guy who was red hot to start the year, Alex de has gone cold as ice for, uh, for Detroit. Like they're winning without him. He has I think he's got one goal in his last 20 games or something. like he is, he's being MIA offensively for them, like yet they're uh, they're still winning. And so you
2: got to think if, if eventually he wakes up again, that could only help him. So month of December, they went four, nine, and one. Since then, they're nine in the new year. They're nine, two, and two. Oh, yeah. How does that... It's like they're almost the inverse of each other. How do you have that prolonged a stretch where you can't get out of your own way and now you can't lose? And they've beaten some good teams along the way. They lose to the Oilers in the middle of the Oilers' streak. In OT, they beat the Panthers. They beat the Leafs. They beat the Lightning. They beat the Golden Knights, the Canucks. I mean, they've beaten some good teams along the way.
1: Oh, yeah. And I should say it's one goal in 15 games for uh, for DeBrincat. So uh, not 20. I don't want to make it worse than it is for him. But still, that's a pretty long drought for your... At the
2: time, was your leading goal scorer. How and, aggressive... Uh, would you be though, if you're Steve Eiserman? that's the question. Is it like 100%. A, a small ad or are you thinking like seismic? No, I don't think it's seismic for a few reasons. Sometimes when you go seismic,
1: it can really disrupt your chemistry. I think you have to weigh that really close as a team to understand your room and where guys are going to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, they're playing pretty well right now. So I, I think it's probably just, you know, an addition of a player. Right to to look and say, hey, where, where's one position? You know, everybody always needs defense, but I don't think there's any debate on that. But I'm, you know, is there a defenseman that works for them, or do they just want to add another good depth guy to
2: help out on their uh, on their on their forward group? I, I would guess. I think they've probably- got enough depth, if you ask me. Like, yeah, they've got. Um, and by the way, uh, Jake Wallman up to eleven goals on the season. They've oh, yeah. got uh, ten double-digit goal scorers this season. Ten already we're only 51 games in 10 double digit goal scorers. No. Yeah. yeah well, they, I, I well, don't they, think they need more depth. I, I think if anything, they need more difference makers. Like a top end guy. Yeah. Well, I just don't know if you, that's something you go out and solve now. I think uh, you wait yeah. until the off season.
1: Possibly. And they might just do nothing. Right. And, um, but I don't know. Usually I, I find like one tweak, but you could be right, Frank. Like, um, You know the one thing they got cap space. That's their advantage, right? So you know, there. I think there's going to be some guys out there that are available, Frank. That you're not going to have to pay a whole bunch to get. I think when it's when it's all said and done. I think can we give some?
2: Can we give Alex Lyon some flowers too? I mean, last year helps the Panthers into the playoffs. Is their game one starter goes to free agency. And earns basically a league minimum deal slightly north of that because people are like, ah, not sure that this guy could do it. And he's totally saved the Red Wing season. Oh, God, yeah. yeah it's not even close. Like,
1: if you compare his numbers to Huso and James Reimer, and, like, and those two have combined for 28 starts, he started 22 games. And he's got a 921, and those two have a 990, uh, sorry, an eight. Uh, ninety-three, like that is a massive difference behind the exact same team, Frank. That one guy's a nine twenty-one in twenty-two games, and the other two are combined eight ninety-three in twenty-eight games. So,
2: and what's the correlation? Is he barely played in December? He played five games in December. We just talked about their four nine and one run. Yeah, he's played the bulk of the games in the new year. Thirteen games since January second, nine two and two with a nine twenty two. Yes, and look, and so it's great he, that you say nine twenty two because that's basically what he's been all year, right? Like
1: that's to me a great sign of consistency. He's been the same guy virtually all year long. It's not like he had a nine forty for two weeks and then you know it was nine ten. Like he's been. Right, crazy. He, he hasn't had
2: a Cam Talbot season. No, no, not at all. So tough, for and Tam. that's. It was such a great start. Yeah.
1: Well, hey. The uh, speaking of uh, goaltending in LA, Dave Riddick posted a uh, shuttle. You look at Dave Riddick's numbers. To me, he's become the starter in LA right now. And I think Jim Hiller, by coming out of the break, actions always speak louder than words, Frank. And I think that uh, Dave
2: Riddick, for the time being, is going to be the starter in LA. Makes sense to me. I don't. I don't think they have any choice but to go with a pure meritocracy.
1: Yeah. You. You have to. Like he's just simply been better. Like you know what maybe he's not you know starting 7 out of 10 but at least he should be starting 6 out of 10 no question
2: for how long though that's my question well hey it, like hey. It, there's no like I'm sorry like to me and and look LA's had a couple good goaltending stories and Copley last year was one of them but I think if you're trying to go into this playoff run Thinking that Dave Riddick is going to be the guy, I I just, I can't, I don't think that's the case. I think we have enough history to know that that's a very unlikely outcome is that he's going to help you win. In the end, in the long run, a small sample size to get your team back in the mix, fine. But is he really the answer to try and win playoff rounds? He's, he's Um, he's made a total of 10 starts this year.
1: Yeah. I I guess uh, when I look at Dave Riddich, and he reminds me a lot of Aiden Hill last year,
2: right? He's in, he's in a pretty Uh, good, if you're listening and not watching, I'm rolling my eyes right now. Go ahead. Yeah. But how is he not look at Aiden Hill up until the point in, in Vegas,
1: he'd been an okay goalie, never great. Right And now Aiden Hill, ever since, like Aiden Hill's elite right now. Like if Aiden Hill hadn't got injured, he'd be in the Vezina Trophy conversation without question in my mind. I'm not saying Riddich is that good, but last year Aiden Hill wasn't a Vezina Trophy guy, but he got an opportunity in a good environment. LA is still a pretty good goaltending environment as far as they don't give up a boatload of quality chances. They're predictable from a goaltender on where the shots are coming from. That can make it easier for you.
2: That, That I just don't agree with your premise. Aiden Hill, before last year, before last season, and he stepped into Vegas, he had a career 9 11 save percentage in 70 NHL games played. He was always good, just didn't get the shot. Yeah, and Riddick is 906.
1: Like, it's not like it's way off. What?
2: No, okay, so let's look at David Riddick, his last three years. Last three full seasons, which also included its it stops in Calgary, Toronto, Nashville, and Winnipeg. Fifty seven games played, eight ninety six save percentage. That's that's well below league average. Yeah, but
1: you look at his numbers when he plays more. Aiden friends. Hill has never had a run like that in his career. Yeah, but he's never played. Look at Riddich's numbers when he's the guy in nineteen twenty when he's playing ninety games and he's got a nine ten. He's better when he plays more
2: teams gave him opportunities. Toronto brought him in. Didn't work. Nashville brought him in. No good. Winnipeg last year. There's a reason why he's moved on year after year. Well, Toronto was four games, man. Like I'm not going to. Okay. But he was a deadline acquisition. Was he not? Yeah. Yeah, But yeah. So he was there as a backup, not to be their starter. Right. Right. Well, he was in L.A. this year to be their third guy, which is where he had played himself to in his career. Aiden Hill has never been that guy. Oh, in San Jose he was, man. Look at his numbers. He was the third guy playing the bulk of the games in the AHL? No, not in the AHL, no. That, that's where David Riddick has
1: been. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You didn't like my blues pick either. Look at the
2: blues. So we'll pump the I'm break, still don't, I still don't like your blues pick. Why? Who do you like better than that? You like Nashville way better? No, I don't like anyone to be the eighth seed. In fact, if I were to if you if you put a gun to my head today and said you have to pick a team that's gonna be the eighth seed, I would bet on Seattle. What? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Because I think all those other teams are gonna sell off. Well, why wouldn't Seattle sell off? Why would they? They're they're just they're just methodically building. What's how much is there to really sell? Yeah, I don't know.
1: They're uh, they're like by points, percentage and points. They're in 11th place. Like I don't see Seattle at all being uh, like they're seven wins b- behind the blues right now.
2: They're, I don't see them at all as the team that's going to go there. I don't think they're that good. I don't the think blues they're ma- that good either. That's you're making my point for me. I don't think the blues are that good. Well, I never,
1: I just said the blues are going to make the playoffs. I didn't say the blues are going to go in and become Florida Panthers and upset people. I said, they make the playoffs.
2: Okay. I, I still think the blues, I think Doug Armstrong is this deadline's biggest wild card. And I think he could be up to just about anything.
1: Yeah. I wonder what his thought process is with his group. Now that they made their coaching change and their, their teams responded to it. Right. Um, doesn't mean that Craig Ruby is a bad coach. This means that they they've responded to the coaching change. There's been some differences in deployment of players and different things like that, and you know, like they walked in absolutely spank Montreal and, uh, and and Jake Allen yesterday oof, did uh, did not look good in goal for uh, for Montreal. You're Frank. saying he didn't help the old trade stock? Well, and that's
2: like he's got a year left at three point eight million dollars. Like, yeah, I, but I know that's. People- I think the Habs were ready and willing to retain, are ready and willing to return. But look at his numbers. So
1: I crunched the numbers on Jake Allen. Like he's got an eight, and now it's probably even below it because I did it on Saturday. He's got like an 8.94, 8.93 save percentage. He's got a goals against the 3.5. Like, why is he, other than name, why would a team think, hey, this is the guy that we're going to, like, people suggesting Edmonton should look at him? I'm like, what? It makes no sense. Like people t- like Mark Andre Fleury. If there's a goal that you'd be interested in, it would be him, but that's it. Like I his Allen's numbers game, are the
2: same as Jake Allen's a
1: little bit better. Right. This has got to save percentage above nine. Um, His goals against
2: is quite a bit lower. Um, and also played on a much better team. Like I, these things cannot. they, they yeah, have to Jake, all be, I, ju- I looked at
1: Jake Allen's expected save and everything. Like it's not, and he hasn't played very many games either. Right. Um, I just, I'm not, I'm not sold that Jake Allen's the answer to any team's goaltending concerns.
2: I think he's got a pretty good track record of being really consistent. I mean, think about how bad that team has been in Montreal. The first 350 games of his career, 9-11 save percentage. That's a long time to be playing really good hockey. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think Jake Allen has woke up this year and is no good. I but think why gonna, is like look at that it, look at that Montreal defense Corps. Oh, I get it. But like,
1: why is his number so worse than Sam Montembeau?
2: Is Montembeau that much better? Oh um, yes, he is, and he's played really well. Yeah, and he's got a fresh new extension, and he's the Habs goaltender of the present and future. Yeah, his his numbers this year alone are nine oh eight. It's light years better.
1: Yeah, I'm still not sold that Jake Allen right now is is your answer to all your goaltending woes. He might have a better track record, but you come in, A, he's gonna have to get comfortable. B, if he's not gonna play lots, how's he gonna get comfortable? So mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Goaltending can switch its voodoo, I get it, but yeah, what's um, down is up. So I'm just not I'm not sold that it's you know, and he has a year left, and I guess they can retain, so it's and I know that they didn't retain any in Monaghan, so they've got all the three retention spots, so that all makes sense. I get it, but you know, I guess if you get him for 1.9, but still he's 1.9. Like, you know, what do you got to get give up to get him? So I, yeah. uh, I'm i curious. Now, speaking of trades, Frank, I know they're at Calgary Flames, hey, they have a chance to sweep the road trick. Great for them. They played very well. Kuzmenko's come in since the trade, but I don't think for a second, this is changing Craig Connery's viewpoint on what his team needs to do with his penny. I defense. don't
2: either. How could it? I mean, I, I think you have to take the emotion out of it and have to look big picture. And, and I think the easiest way to explain, and this is, the, I, I'm not saying how I feel is what the Flames feel, but this is my personal philosophy when it comes to team building is, are, there's only one existential question to ask. Are you a threat? Are you a threat to win the Stanley Cup? And if the answer is no, then you need to re, re, re-engineer your team Until you can answer yes. And everyone's got a different answer as to how big that circle is. How many teams do you include? We had this discussion all year long. I started with nine or 10. Your number, I think, was 11. Authentic chances to win. And as the year goes on, that number shrinks, right? You know, for me, it's kind of down to like seven. It might even be five. But... The point is, the Flames existentially are not in that conversation and not, aren't really close. They're not knocking on the door of it. What they're knocking on the door of is a fringe playoff spot and, to quote their last coach, a waste of eight days. So, to me, you can't be swayed by winning four in a row as, as great as that feels, and I don't think they are. I think Craig Conroy and, and his staff, have, they have a long view, a long approach on this, as they should. Um, to really get this right you're you're building for sustainability you're not building for well hey let's roll the dice and see if we can be the florida panthers from last year we've talked a lot about how that's an absolute fallacy yeah no it's true like i i i look at at 122 points the year before they weren't a shit eighth seed no not at all i i think
1: like, like Tanev and like Hannafin's obviously the in- I guess if there's a chance that you could resign them, well, then you'd want to resign because it's hard to find very good defensemen, right? So I get the Hannafin one and why it might go down to the wire. But, you know, Chris Tanev, you know, you already traded Lindholm. If you can get a good deal now, I don't think you have to wait till the deadline, right?
2: No, I think what they're waiting for is to see if someone steps up with a package to take multiple pieces in which they could get more with Hannafin being, or with Tanev being part of it. That's really what, why I think, is my understanding why they've gotten to this point? Um, so are you talking a team
1: that would take both Tan- Hannafin and Tanev, or or Tanev, Tanev and another player?
2: Yep. Ah, okay. There's the potential for both. And my thing is, I, for me, it's kind of black and white when it comes to Hannafin. and and maybe this is too to uh like you never want to be dead right if this makes any sense but my thought process is we've we've given you everything you asked for you asked for 60 million bucks we put it on the table you got cold feet we're waiting at the end of the aisle what's going on here and yeah. once you do that one time and it lingers for this long i like i get the idea of having the security blanket of oh man it'd be really nice to have Hannafin in the fold for the next eight years he skates well he's probably going to age pretty well all those things he's gotten better and better as he's matured and found his best game but i'd hate to be a year and a half in and he comes to you and says you know i told you last you know last summer now that i i you know my preference was to play in the u.s at the end of the day he signs the deal and then 18, month in, 18 months in, when your team is, is kind of scuffling because you're trying to redo this, he says, I, I'd like to be moved. Like That's the worst case scenario. And I think that's what the Flames should try and avoid at all costs, which to me, I would have yanked. Like, it would not be a still standing offer. You didn't sign it. That's on you. And here are my terms now, if you'd like to play for us. And if not, I have no issue trading you. Look at the deals that I've gotten already for Lindholm, for Zadarov, for Toffoli. I can get a great return for Noah Hannafin. I've got the premier rental defenseman available. I I just wouldn't be held over a barrel, and I don't think Craig Conroy is.
1: (sighs) That's fair. Like they, the guys, they, hey, you mentioned they got younger and, you know, so now it's obviously only a few games. But Kuzmenko's come in and scored and obviously Sharon Govich has, has uh, performed very well, as has tofoley uh, in New Jersey. That's been a trade that's kind of worked out for both teams uh, to this point, uh, except the Flames obviously have him for longer term, one more year. And he's a little bit younger. So it is like the thing about the Flames is they're playing better here. And it's their young guys that are contributing, right? Like but that's and what's I think- exciting. Yeah, like I don't think Calgary is going to be a rebuild. I think they're going to be a retool, right? Like I think, you know, they what what honestly what the Flames would love to do is somehow, now I don't know if they can go out and and, and get a free agent like Panera, and that's obviously difficult. But remember, they lucked out and, and won the lottery, Frank, right? And moved up. And I know that Capo Caco hasn't necessarily panned out to be a great player, but you know what? They got some draft picks very short term and got to
2: be competitive again. And, you know, they've got Wolves. This is a great draft fits. for that. This is a great draft to have multiple pieces because my understanding is, yeah, there's a clear number one pick in, in Macklin Celebrini. But after that, like you, you, this could be like some other years where you're getting great players at 13, 17, 19, whatever it might be, you draft correctly, you're going to be in really good shape.
1: Yeah. So that's where I, I, I see. And I, so I could understand if, if Calgary would, you know, be thinking, hey, if we get Noah Hannafin here, now that keeps our defense. We got him and Rasmus Anderson is kind of our pillars of our blue line. We build out behind him. We think we got a really good young goalie coming in. Wolf. We like some of our young forwards. the The retooling process would be easier because now maybe, hey, maybe they're able to get a really good player back for Hannafin, And if they can, well, that obviously changes it. But if it just prospects, he like, got a
2: really good player as a not a throw in, but. The I, I really like the Kuzmenko edition. No, no, I'm saying, yeah, he's a good player. I agree with you. I think that was incredibly smart, and I think they are they'd be wise to either package up some of their pieces to get another impact player or do it at the draft. Yeah. To help make wow. it be a retool, not a rebuild. You so need the some draft, stuff to help push that along, right? At the draft, you're talking
1: Markstrom then? Because if Hannafin's gone and Tanev's gone, I'm not sure they have any other big piece to move, right? Other than Markstrom?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, sh- I mean, depending on who the player is, like, you could, you could probably get something pretty good for Rasmus Anderson, too. Yeah. Pretty good cap it, man. Like, I wonder. Uh, but yeah. like, I, I was just thinking out loud, like, and I don't, there's tons of other comparable draft classes, but. Think back to like, it just got me thinking because we were talking Hannafin. Think back to that 2015 draft. Like you had yeah. the two guys at the top, McDavid and Eichel. But then all over the place, you know, you have, you know, Mitch Marner was at four. You had Hannafin five. But then you had Wierenski, Timo Meyer, Rantanen at 10. Jake DeBrusk, pretty good player at 14. Kyle Connor 17. Barzell, 16. Thomas Chabot, 18. Eriksson Ek, 20. Brock Besser, 23, Travis Connectney, 25. Like, those are all good finds, great finds. Sebastian Ajo was 35
1: that year. Brandon Carlo, 37. Yeah, no, that was a deep draft. Yep. Yeah. Eric Cernak, hell of a pick, 43rd. So, yeah, no, that was a good, that was a deep draft where he got lots of teams, got guys outside just the top 10, which is, you know, lots of talking to Craig Button, a few other guys, that's what they think this draft could be like. So, we shall see. Let's uh, bring in Tyler Uremchuk to the program. Ty, how you doing?
0: I'm doing good, gentlemen. I w- did not have the foresight to look up a player to throw or another player to throw a touchdown, a non-quarterback. Greg, so that is a that is a fantastic prop bet by you in uh, in the Super Bowl. So our friends at Botano had it all covered. I got a couple of Botano themed questions today. In did fill- you go
2: with the Gatorade? The the purple? Yeah, Gatorade. purple.
0: I didn't have purple. Yeah, we did. I went clear. <laughs>
2: well the chiefs had
1: purple last Gator. year so that's why i thought they'd win i thought they'd stick with like why would you change your gatorade color that'd make
2: no sense to me. so cl- so clear you were thinking like could just be water yeah that was my thinking Ooh, man Maybe. i remember growing up i don't think they have the flavor anymore gatorade forever had the lemon ice Ooh. and it was in a glass bottle if you remember back in the day oh, with gatorade God. when it first came out this is pre-tyler obviously yeah. and and uh lemon ice man what a treat you go to the what color was you, it it was totally clear oh and it was just a really refreshing lemon flavor i oh. i used to get it all the time as a kid
0: i'm sure there's a couple of people going in go with work the old today.
2: man in our ford bronco <laughs> over to the over to the local wawa, wawa. Sit, sit in the old front seat of the ford bronco get a lemon ice
0: now. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple people going into work today a little hungover. So maybe you want to DoorDash for lunch. You're going to need something a little greasy. Maybe DoorDash in a Gatorade. You can use the promo code NATION25. Our Canadian listeners get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more with that promo code up at the top of your screen. uh Last week on Buy or Sell, I asked you guys how many first round picks you could see being dealt. I have a follow up to that in Fill in the Blank, and it is this. A team that is a lock to trade their first round pick is blank. Frank.
2: Mm. A lock. Mm. Ooh. That's a tough tough one. I think the Oilers. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
2: I'm not sold on the stars. I think they're more aggressive than we realize, but I also think they really like their team. And I would think the Avs, but they've got a couple holes to fill. Second line center and goalie. So my vote would be Oilers one, Avs two, Golden Knights three, Rangers four.
0: All right. Craig's.
2: Um, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna
1: change the rules. I'll just give one, and uh, I'm gonna go with the Dallas Stars.
0: I don't hate that either. They're sneaking. One of those teams. I mean, a lot of people talk about the Jets, obviously, in the central. The Avs get a lot of buzz. But Dallas is uh, is right there. And when you look at the betting odds, Dallas is definitely right there as well, which it ties into my next one. We're going to Botano and the betting odds. But I want to know about the Eastern Conference, Frank, last week when I said, ah, the Bruins are running away with the East. And then you pointed out, you're like, no, man, the Panthers. And I looked. It's way closer than I had thought. Who do you think wins the East? The Bruins are favorited right now in Botano at about plus 150. The Panthers coming in right behind them at about plus 200. The team that will win the East in the regular season is blank, Jason.
1: It's uh, a good question. I'm going to go with the uh, the Panthers. Um, I think it's they, they've, been, uh, they've been just gradually gaining ground. And it's hard because Boston is not going away by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, I think Florida ultimately will uh will squeeze out and finish in first. Not by a lot,
2: but uh I think they'll get first. I'm gonna go with a somewhat surprise. I'm gonna say New York Rangers. Mm. They've won oh. four in a row. I think it's only a matter of time until until Shesterkin figures it out. And I just I like their team <laughs> and I, I really like their defense core. And I think that they're going to add.
0: And I do think they're going to trade their first round pick. Just add them to the list. Uh, All right. Similar question for the West, the Vancouver Canucks, they are the runaway favorites to win the Pacific division right now at minus 200, but the books are also putting them at minus odds to win the West in the regular season, implied odds of about 56% right now. So I want to ask you guys, The Canucks have a blank percent chance of winning the West and likely winning the President's Trophy with that, but a blank percent chance of winning the West, Frank?
2: I'd say it's closer to 35 or 40%. Okay. The math is pretty strongly in their favor, but it's hard hard to close it out it's hard to kind of go basically what you'd be looking at with them since opening night be more or less wire to wire
0: yeah that's kind of what i was going to wrap with was it'd be impressive the way they've just started hot and if they can finish this off it'd be quite the season jay what do you say absolutely curb
2: stomp the oilers on night one and just roll all the way through
0: (laughs) set the tone i
1: i think the reason why they're going to finish first is from march 9th until the end of the month they don't leave home they have a nine game (laughs) homestand, which is almost unheard of. And uh, prior to that, they got some games against some of the the bottom teams. So I think I'm going to give them a pretty high percentage. I'm going to give them like a 73%
0: chance to uh, win the West. Greg's going higher than the books. Frank going a little bit lower than the books as well. You mentioned their homestand. It also helps straight up this year. They're 18 and six on home ice, which is just unbelievable. Uh, Been a great year for the Canucks. They got an OT win over the Caps on the weekend as well. Uh, That is a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank Boys delivered by DoorDash. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
2: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host yeah points in 20 out of 24 at home for the canucks
1: yeah and the thing and is four. rick talkett i don't i don't see, like they have a bad period and rick talkett is just he's not afraid to to say hey boys Let's keep our eye here. Let's keep focus, and I, I think that that helps that team.
2: I so. You know, With all got, due respect to the way the Flyers have overachieved, if Rick Tockett doesn't win the Jack Adams Award this year, we should just not give it out anymore.
1: Yeah, it'd be a surprise to me if he isn't the the runaway Tortorella. Though, give, hey, give the Flyers a lot of credit, right? Like I can. I can see why some would lean towards it because Taka came in last year, right? Uh, kind of got his fingerprints on that team, and if you look at Vancouver's record, I think they're the fifth best team um, after Taka took over. So um, you know he kind of got them playing the right direction there, and just carried over. But I'd agree it's different to do it in off and everything like that. They've they've been he's changed a lot of their culture there, and um, you know Tortorella's always had teams play hard, so it's not necessarily a surprise that that's happening. You know, they probably overachieved, I think, for sure. And but we haven't talked about them, Frank. Um, you know, now John Tortorella did come out publicly and say, hey, come the trade deadline, there might be some guys that move that people don't think, but we want to stay on the plan. Do you think there's any chance that changes? Do they? No. So they're like moving out all those guys that they can?
2: Not all of them. I think they really like Nick Sealer, and I think they are still talking to try and get a deal done. Um, I don't think they're like I don't think they're going to swing super big and and make a connectney type transaction although I I think their preference is to really get him extended as soon as this summer when he's first eligible. But I do think they move Sean Walker. I think they I think there's a pretty good chance, I'd say better than 50% chance that they move Scott Lawton. It's not that much higher than that, but it's, you know, 55% probably shading toward him likely being gone. And then reassess like you have to stick with the mission and mandate again. It's one and one existential question. And one only are you a threat and no one has the flyers in that category. No, no one has them even close. No. So
1: yeah, I I would be surprised if they didn't, uh, if they didn't stick to the plan, if I was Nick Seater, like sometimes there's just good fits for, for you and a, and a team and, um, I know he's had a very good year there, but it, you know, he could get traded somewhere else and not have success. And then people look and say, Oh, we're not going to give him the ticket. He, this might be the best time for him to negotiate and just sign a contract before the deadline.
2: Oh, uh, for him and his career. I mean, I don't think most people realize that Nick Sealer is actually on a two-way contract this year. Yeah, I know. He, he could, if he was in the AHL, he'd be making less than half of what he is now. His AHL pay this year was 350,000 yeah so he's he's made 3.4 million in his career if he can sign an extension you take it now even though the market should be good to him this summer and you can stay in a place where you fit don't don't bleep with happy i say that all the time yeah the grass is
1: not always greener uh for sure is something that uh, i would avoid frank i'm gonna get in this week and uh see what uh, happens on the Wendy's uh, daily. Oh, you you uh, think you're just going to come in and run the table, don't you? No, no, not run the table. My goal is just, like I said, just beat Frank. So and no offense, doesn't seem like that's going to be that difficult. So uh, <laughs> go to uh, daily face, you, but you're not wrong. The Wendy's survivor. Yeah. I'm just using your words, not mine. Um, uh, for any of our listeners sign up now just to see, uh, as Frank says, it's not as easy as it looks. And uh but guess what you just get on a little bit of a run you can get on a heater and you never know you can uh, get uh, you could be a really good trade deadline acquisition for yourself. We I we only that. had
2: one person survive the double week. 463 players last time. It went for it wrapped around all-star. One person out of 463 made it to the end. Just one. Just one. So so, so shout go, out Lord. to uh shout out to Blondie HPSD, whatever. There's a lot going on in that username, but shout out to Blondie. Blondie. Well, there you go. One out of one,
1: 463. I like it. So go to uh, dailyfaceoff.com and just see uh, if you can beat Frank. And uh, he'll look at his picks. And I'm going to have to tell you who he is. That's unfair. And uh, we will find out on Thursday if the Frank man is still in. And uh, any, uh, is this going to be a quiet week of trades, Frank? And uh, what is your bold prediction on Morgan Riley's
2: suspension? Uh, I'm going to say Riley five games, and I will say yes. Between now and Sunday, we will have a trade. So this week, now and Sunday. All right, I would tend to agree with you on both accounts. I uh, I think Ta- I think Tanev for me is the guy. I, I think Tanev's the longer they week. go, the longer they go on playing him, the more they risk not getting anything in return. Yeah,
1: and then you factor in the Morgan Riley.
2: Suspension
1: Frank, a team that needs a defenseman. Maybe this is the week that uh, speeds that up. Hmm, maybe. We'll see. Ooh. Awesome. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Sarah Valley and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.